Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Until a person is content with serving on the ground, they should be very uh, leery of trying to serve up on the mountain. You know what I'm saying? Um, because I, I think it's unhealthy. Uh, I think leadership really should be... Some of the most profound or effective leaders I've seen are the leaders that that lead in a way where you they've led people and they've led you and they've influenced the culture around them, but they haven't pointed to themselves as being a leader. Look at me. I'm leading well. Look at me. People are submitting. Look at me. It's, they've just... They just done it without any need for applause, any need for attention, or any need for even a position or a title. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Josh Hunter. Josh. What up, Chandler? How's it going, man? Man, it's going good. We are really pumped to talk with Jackie Hill Perry today. She is the author of Gay Girl, Good God. She is a musical artist, master of the spoken word. She's a speaker. She's a mother and a wife and and all those things that she does. She's also a great leader. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm all right. Hanging in there? I don't feel like I don't feel like a leader today. <laughs> hey, that's that is that's great truth though. Some There's days, some days some like days that. You know, it's funny, Jackie. A few months ago, when we were looking at uh, getting you booked for this and interviewing you, I woke up one morning and, like a great habit uh, leading <laughs> leader, I checked my phone first thing in the morning and looked at Instagram, and I got really excited because. Jackie Hill Perry followed me on Instagram and I was so pumped. I'm like, I've arrived. I've done it. This is, she followed me on Instagram and I looked a little closer and it was actually a a fan account and it said Jackie Hill prayer. (laughs) And, but you know what? They started following a lot of people and requesting, uh, intercessory, uh, donations. Oh, wow. So that account has followed you. Block them and report them. So you're telling me that fifty thousand? Oh, they, they're, they're shut down now. You're telling me that fifty thousand dollar donation I gave them didn't make it to you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. That would have been great if it did. I would have been able to pay my bills. But but I'll say this: I still <laughs> felt like I arrived, even though that account followed me. So I left just as happy. Yeah. I just wanted to let you know. I love the doubt when you, when you said that story. She's like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love it. That's so funny. Well, hey, we're really pumped to have you on today, though. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you for having me. We, we are so excited. And to, to get started, I know in your book, Gay Girl, Good God, it's, it's such a great testimony of how God works in our lives and uses our past to shape us into who we are today. So just to get started, can you share with us a quick overview of your own story and how that has shaped you into who you are today? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think briefly, um, raised in St. Louis to a single mother, um, early in life, maybe around five is when I, um, just noticed or discovered that I had same sex desires and same sex attractions, um, didn't know what to do with it or where to, where to put it, um, until I went to church and, uh, heard what Christians had to say about sexuality, which didn't make me feel all too good. Um, so I kept it to myself until high school. Uh, when I just decided to be what I thought being me meant. Um, and so I just became a lesbian and enjoyed it and loved it and uh, enjoyed my girlfriend and all of that. Um, didn't really see the need for God. You know, I thought just Christians were people that just didn't listen to secular music or wear pants. 
Uh, I didn't recognize that they were people who had been like supernaturally changed by the power of the spirit of God. Um, but when I was 19, um, God just showed me my sin and all of it, not just my sexual sin, but all of it, my heart and how dark it was and how it wanted everything else but but him, but how Christ was, you know, he was a good one, the satisfying one, the whole one that um, if I were to believe in him, um, I would be made right with God. And so by his grace, I did. And so I think how how I've been shaped thus far is really I'm just a person who wants to show people that God really is uh, honest in all that he says in the scriptures, namely to change people um, and to make them like him. With with that, I know a lot of young leaders out there, there's their past or something. It might be something that hinders them or, or is always on their mind. How if there's a young leader walking through and they said, hey, I'm worried that my past is hindering my future. What would you say to them mm. in response to that? I would actually ask for clarity. What, what do you mean by hindering your future? Um, because I think I've seen more often than not that the the people's past, if anything, hinders them in their own brain, where it's their shame and their fear of man and there's um, doubt. Am I, am I useful to God in light of what I used to do? Um, and so I think we would have to define what this hindrance actually is, because if this hindrance is uh, fear of man, if this hindrance is shame, if this hindrance is uh, the unbelief that God can use uh people that used to be dirty, then we just have to get back to the scriptures and believe what the gospel says of us currently. You know, yeah, you used to do this, but you're a new creation. Yeah, you used to be this, but the shame that you think you should carry, God carried on himself, you know? And so I think the reality is um, it doesn't have to hinder us. If anything, it helps us. Uh, It validates that God uses broken vessels to do some great things. Um, So that's what I would say, is that don't like leverage your past for the glory of God. I think that's what all of us should do. That's, that's really, helpful. yeah, that's good. I, I've read your book, Jackie, and it's, it, uh, guys, if you're listening and you have not read the book yet, you, you need to pick it up and read it. It's it's an incredible read, definitely worth your while. I'll probably read it several times and give out lots of copies, Jackie. It's really good. But I, I know yeah, that you, you talked some through that, sh- you used the word shame, and I think that's a, a perfect description of past and um, whether it's guilt, shame, embarrassment, all those things kind of blend in together. But shame is a great um, description for that. But you you did answer this in some ways, but for a young leader that is really struggling with, with shame and saying, man, I feel like, because I've struggled some with this, Jackie, with some things in my past and, and sin that I've had and situations I've been in and, and things that I've done, stepping into the leadership role that I'm in now, um, some of it's public, some of it's leading behind the scenes, but still I struggle saying, God, like, man, I, I'm kind of embarrassed of this, but I feel like I need to be vulnerable to lead my team better, but I just feel held back. How do I work through that shame and leverage my story for leadership and, and like leading my team and and sharing the gospel through leadership with them? Practically, how do I do that? How do I overcome that shame? That's complicated. Um, <laughs> I think one, <laughs> it really is. I think one, it has to take place with you and God first. Um, I think it's easier to be honest with people when you're honest with God. And so if, if having that conversation with him, this is how I feel about what I did. This is how I feel. Like these are the fears. These are the hurts. These are the pains. That's a really practical step um, to confess these things to God first. 
I think secondly, I think working through it with another individual that you trust mm. um, is helpful because I think that kind of gets a lot of stuff out of the way when you, one, when you just say it out loud. There's some that breaks in a lot of people when you say, this is what I did. This is even what I'm tempted to still do. Hey, I did this yesterday, <laughs> you know, and being mm. able to say it out loud to another person um, and receive, receive the healing that could come um, through that confession and be able to have someone speak truth over you. Um, because I think that the issue is we not only have a flesh that is already its default is doubt. We also have an enemy who's the accuser of the brother. And he speaks like I, I said, I tweeted this before. I said, the devil will talk to you in your own voice. Mm. And so a lot of times I, I think it's, it's helpful to have a community uh, or an individual or a group of people that I can be able to share these things with who can then reintroduce or not even reintroduce, but reaffirm the truth that I'm, I'm struggling to believe. Um, and then I think when that, when you go through those kinds of processes, now when you do it on a main stage or with the group or the people that you're leading, it's a lot easier um, because you actually already processed it with God and you processed it with another person. Um, you've given it to him. You did all that you need to do. And so now the work is just being free. Um, don't know if that's practical enough, but I think that's, no, I think that's, that's for me. <clears throat> that's incredibly practical and it, just so much gospel truth in that. I think the practical side of things we tend to say, here's the actions to do. But what I love with your response is it's, it's coming before God, the father and having that relationship with him. And it's almost before you, you lead through that in public, you have to, to un- realize who you are in Christ in private. So thank you mm-hmm. for your answer on mm-hmm. that. Really yeah. I feel like with me and my leadership journey, starting as a young leader, the the hardest thing for me is I am the hardest person to lead. Yeah. Like, Day in mm-hmm. and day out, I am my own worst enemy, mm-hmm. you know, and holding a mirror mm-hmm. in front of my face and, and even being honest with myself and myself slash the Lord because he hears my thoughts, but do I say it to him because he already knows? <laughs> like, I get, get a little confused, but <laughs> I am, I need to be honest with myself first. And then how do I find that individual? And that's going to bleed into our next question, but finding that individual in whom I can trust and know that I will be completely accepted no matter what I tell them. Yeah. And I think yeah. something super yeah. helpful, Jackie, that you said was... We're going to, even if we listen to our own voice in our head, just as you said, the devil can use that to speak it lies into us. And I think mm-hmm. just as, as your response was, we need to listen to the voice of our father and that will overcome the yeah. voice of ourselves and the devil. So really appreciate that. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Jackie, can you name a person who has had tremendous impact on you when you were a young leader? And um, I know you talk about this person in your book, but maybe someone who's been a mentor to you and why and how did that person impact your life? Oh man, it's been a few, but I'll land on uh, my pastor, uh, the pastor that I was under in Chicago for five years because he, my first, the first person in Santoria that I wrote about in the book, I think she helped me to have a spiritual foundation. And I think uh, Brian Dye, who I'm about to speak about, helped me to to be able to steward the influence that God gave me well um, and to lead well. And so before I used to Chicago, I worked at a nonprofit called uh, Grip Outreach for Youth. And I was in leadership over maybe 50 Christian women. Um, and they were mentors. And so it was my job to mentor the mentors and say, hey, have you met with your kids this week? If you haven't, why not? Um, and so, uh, Brian was my boss and my pastor. And so instead of having like, you know, when you have like those manager meetings with your boss, he would turn it into discipleship meetings and say, wow. how's your heart? I'm like, this ain't supposed to be about that. Like, <laughs> we're supposed to talk about like, 
numbers and hours and stuff like that. Um, but Brian really helped me to see one aspect of leadership, which was the service thing. He was like, as a leader, Jackie, it's your job to serve first. That's, that's all that this is. You die first. And so I'm an introvert. And so a lot of times when we would have like the meetups with the women, it's 50 women, 50 men. And when we're done talking, I want to just go on the corner. And so that's what <laughs> I would do. And at this point, I'm like 23, 24. And Brian was like, go, you know, go talk to some of your, your girls. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he was like, yeah, but it's not about you. And I'm like, <laughs> but I don't want to. And so we, <laughs> we would do that a lot where he would challenge me to see that my personality or the way I was bent was not an excuse to not love. Um, and so he just showed me like, no, if, if God is your Lord, if Jesus is your Lord, then how you serve these women needs to be uh, a replica of how he served you. And so he just did that all the time. And so I guess a part of my, my training with him and how he influenced me was that he just did not let me get away with anything. Like he just, he was just on me um, as a leader. And so I think now, even though he's not over me as a pastor or as a boss, his voice is still in my head. You know, I feel like he trained me in that way. Mm. Yeah. And it seems like those, those mentors, those who pour into us, even when we're not directly under their leadership, they, they still, there's a wake of their leadership that we take with us. And it's so helpful to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's kind of like, what would Brian do? It's not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, obviously it's what would Jesus do, but seriously, I, cause it wasn't just that he told, it wasn't just that he just told me what to do. He actually showed me everything that he told me to do was everything I consistently saw him pattern. You know, so mm, that that's, sticks with you. Yeah, that's really good. I'll make a bracelet for you and send it to you, WWBD. <laughs> and you can. He, he would love that. Yeah, I'm sure. I would, I would send it to him. I, I love the mentor conversation. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's one of the most important things as, and I'll, I'll say not just young leader, any leader, any season leader, like everybody needs to have some type of pace setter yeah. in their life to think about. Back in the day when Roger Bannister broke the sub four minute mile, he had two different pace setters, one for the first two minutes. And then this, cause they, like, I couldn't <laughs> run a four minute mile himself, you know? So another one for the second mm-hmm. half, but he literally could not break the sub four minute mile without two different pace setters helping him. And I think the mm-hmm. same is for any of us in leadership. Like how, how do we get, become better leaders? have other people that we can follow. Hey, I got the eight minute mile right here. I got the seven minute mile right here. Continue to put good mentors in front of us is super helpful. That's great. Yeah. I think, yeah. of, I mean, of course, I think of Paul when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And as leaders, I hope people can say that of us, but also who are we looking to that we can imitate as well? I've always envied his confidence. Well, okay. yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for I'm, sure. Yeah, I'm terrified yeah. to say that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, that's strong. Yeah. That's a strong statement. <laughs> Paul, you, you are a brave man. You must have some hair on your chest, man. Yeah, I would not. Man, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jackie, when when did you realize you were a leader? Was it something that others called out in you or was it just something that came about and you realized that this was something that God gifted you with? That's a great question. Um I, I, I think both, um, because so I, I was a, I became a Christian at nineteen. Um, maybe four weeks into being a Christian, I started a Bible study with my my friends who were also kind of Christian, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to read the Bible. I didn't know how to communicate it that well. I just had this desire to see people love Jesus well, um, and then I went to a church. 
that then I guess saw my, I think a lot of people confuse communication gifts with natural leadership gifts, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but um, they, uh, they put me in a leadership position immediately. And so I think that kind of, to me, reaffirmed, oh, maybe this is what God wants me to do. Um, I think when I got under different, um, in a different church context, that was a lot more structured and biblically um, solid, if you will. I think they showed me like, no, people, people listen to you without you asking them to. And there's an influence that God has given you with people where they naturally gravitate towards you. And you need to be careful to steward that influence because it matters. It matters if you're leading people in the right direction. So I think it's both. And I think I just saw, Mm -hmm. I just had this desire and this passion to lead people. And then I was always being put in situations to lead people. (laughs) So no, that that's a great way to put it. I, I went to seminary for, one semester, never went back. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day. Who, who knows? One day. We'll see. But one, and just even being here at Lifeway and in ministry, you see a lot of young men and women really desiring to be leaders. And I think that I think the desire for leadership, and even in, in Titus, it talks about that in qualifications for elders. Like the desire for leadership is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's good to mm-hmm. have like healthy ambition for that. But you actually said something, and you made a comment. And, whole nother conversation, but I think it's really appropriate. The stage does not equal leadership. That that may be yeah. positional authority or people might listen to you just because you're in the spotlight for your 15 minutes of fame or whatever. But being in seminary and in ministry in general, I have seen a lot of people say or feel or their actions speak to, man, when I preach or when I lead, if I can just get the stage, then I can be a leader. Can you, can mm. you explain that a little bit and your view on that and how that's really false. Um, uh, like that, that's my opinion, but I would love yeah. to hear your opinion on that. Uh, one, I, I guess I'll just, cause I'm scatterbrained. So I'll just say it as it comes. That's I think, fine. From, I think it, I think it's dangerous. Um, just because I think the stage and the platform is immediate, uh, esteem, you know? And so I think until a person is content with serving on the ground, they should be very uh, leery of trying to serve up on the mountain. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm. Because I, I think it's unhealthy. Uh, I think leadership really should be, some of the most profound or effective leaders I've seen are the leaders that, that lead in a way where you, they've led people and they've led you and they've influenced the culture around them, but they haven't pointed to themselves as being a leader. Look at me. I'm leading well. Yeah. Look at me. People are submitting. Look at me. It's, they've just, they just done it without any need for applause, any need for attention mm. or any need for mm. even a position or a title. Mm. Um, and those are the leaders that I've seen actually be called into leadership. Um, the leaders that are leading without any position. Does it make sense? Absolutely. And so yeah. it's like, I remember I was at a church location. And they were like, who are the people in your community? Cause I was in leadership um, over a particular group of women. They're like, who in your group of women is leading without a title or a call to lead, if that makes sense. So they don't even have a role. They don't even have anything, but they're just naturally functioning in it. And they're content in the fact that they're, they're serving the church, how they're serving the church with their gifts without being asked to, you know? And I think that's what leadership should be. Are you serving people without needing to have a position or a title to do it? Um, Yeah. And there are a lot of people on stages with communication gifts 
that are actual terrible leaders because then when they fall <laughs> off the rails and don't love the Jesus that they talk about, what they have done is they put themselves in a position now that they're leading people astray. Mm-hmm. So, mm. And that's dangerous. Yeah, it's so dangerous. I, I remember for me, oh, it's scary. I wanted to jump into ministry. I was in college and I started serving at a church plant. And I remember the first thing they had me do was stack the chairs. I was on setup teardown team. And I look back on that season. And I'm like, that was so formative for my leadership to, to understand yeah. how do you lead behind the scenes. No one sees it. But if I don't do this, it doesn't happen because there's nowhere for people to sit. And that was yeah. formative. And I would almost say for young leaders, and, and you have such a helpful distinction in this, serve in, in the places without a title that almost doesn't look, you know, prestigious and you'll learn so much through that. So I love the leading without a title, a title emphasis there. Yeah. It's huge. Jackie, what was your biggest mistake that you can identify as a young leader getting started? And how is, has that failure set you up for success now? Or have you seen those two connected? Would love to hear about that. Oh, that's hard. I, 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 it's a lot. But I, I think the one that stands out is there, I think, I'll just say a few things. I think one, there was a kind of domineeringness to my leadership. I don't even think that's a word. Um, but I think because initially when I started to lead, I didn't, I didn't have context for leadership being an act of service. Um, and so I think I saw, I think I confused leadership with control. And so uh, y'all need to do this instead of welcoming in someone into what I'm already doing as a kind of leadership. So I think those are two different methods. Or uh, if they didn't do X, Y, and Z, me coming down on them for not doing X, Y, Z, instead of processing with them what might have been the motivations of the things happening in their world that didn't allow them or lead them to do X, Y, and Z. And so I just think that my leadership was super... um, immature in that way. And so I think I've I've just grown in understanding that there people are really complicated beings and there's always so much more going on than what I might see. And so not to, I think when my leadership is a matter of control, then it's easy for me to take everything personally. Uh, But when I see that my leadership is a, is a kind of service, Mm. um, I think it relaxes you a bit, but it also uh, makes you lean more into the power of the spirit in your leadership than your natural gifts to dominate things. Um, so I think that would be one of the huge things. Yeah. I, I struggle, struggled slash still struggle with the same thing. I really quickly, I had, and I learned it the hard way. I started realizing, okay, hold on. When I, when I am corrective, it's, I love the word that you said process with them. I I love that because you need Mm -hmm. to correct. You do as a leader, you've got to show, know the Mm -hmm. way, show the way, go the way, you know, John Maxwell. So you have to show them what happened and what went wrong and then show them how to fix it and be honest and direct with them. But processing that Mm -hmm. with them shows more empathy rather than like apathetic. And you just want to just come yep. down hard on them and being a caring leader is much better than being a controlling yeah. leader. Um, and it, and it creates, it, I'm sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. I, I, I'm totally fine. If you interrupt me, <laughs> I, I think it creates room for accountability too, because it's okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't do this because I was, I was feeling a, a kind of way. Okay. Why were you feeling the kind of way? What was going on in your world? Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. This happened. Okay. Moving forward. 
when this happens and this happens, how do you still, you know, uh, commit to your commitment? Da, 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 da. So next time when, if you don't commit, then we need to have a conversation about how not to let X, Y, and Z lead you or master you. And you, you get what I'm saying? And so I think yeah. the, the processing thing helps us to have some framework for the reasons people do what they do, but it also allows us to be able to challenge them and how not to let those things lead them and not doing what you led them to do. <laughs> Man, yeah, no, I, I think you totally get it. It's, it's yeah. come. It's coming alongside of them, processing with them, and realizing. We've said this before many times. They are not a means to an end. They are the end. And mm. if if we are going for the heart versus just the action, then they are definitely going to feel more like the end versus a means to an end. As the action is just mm. behavior modification versus heart mod- transformation. Right. You know, they need a heart transplant. Right. We need, to, and maybe we need a heart transplant too. We can <laughs> process that together. But yeah, that's it's a great word. Jackie, what what book do you wish that someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Eek. Uh, probably, I don't know the I don't know the name of the author, but it's it's called Humility, and the cover has a, a picture of a bowl with some hands and some water. We're looking it up. <laughs> we're, we're going to, uh, humility, is hand it, bowl picture. <laughs> let's see here. It is by uh, C.J. Mahaney and the forewords by Mark Dever. Does that sound correct? That might be it. I'm about to Google it myself. I love this. We're just researching together. Yeah, C.J. Mahaney. Yep. With the hands. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's how I got it. <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know who he was when I read that book. So yeah, I think I don't remember any quote. Nothing, because I haven't I haven't read the book for maybe six or seven years. But I remember it was it was it was transformative in how I understood humility, um, because I think I thought humility was weakness for a long time. That to to, to humble myself was to to put myself in a position to be a doormat or to be um, just weak and passive and timid. Um, I didn't see that humility was like, no, this is you following in the footsteps of Jesus, the, the God who humbled himself uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross, like that it was a privilege for me, a, for me to be able to serve in the way that he served and to be able to lead in the way that he led and it all being anchored in a, a kind of reality. Because I think that's what humility is. is I'm actually walking in re- the reality that I am a created thing and that there is mm-hmm. a creator who I'm subject to first and foremost. Um, and that these people that I'm doing life with are are his. They they belong to him and they are loved by him. And he died for them um, and you. And so you're not their lord <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what I think what that book did for me or would have done for me is it would have I think kept me from harming people. I think I was harmful um, to a lot of people for a season just because I was harsh, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was I was a little. I'm really black and white in general now. And so imagine me at 21 <laughs> without, without any humility or discipleship. It, it was a rough time. And so that would have, that would have been, I think, a blessing to people and to me. There, the, there's a book called Good to Great. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it talks about one of the uh-uh. most, like, when they looked at companies that were really successful, one of the themes that they saw, the trending themes was they had level five leaders and the trade of those level five leaders was 
humility. Mm-hmm. They Some of them you don't even know, and they're like led some of the most successful companies yeah. in the world because they didn't care. They just cared uh-huh. about people and the organization. But uh-huh. Jackie, you kind of... It, I, I don't know about overnight. I don't really know that I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant, so I'm not going to try to guess, but you have grown a lot in notoriety and just to be honest, like fame recently with the book and your music and your podcast and your vlogs and just everything you do. And I have no doubt that the Lord is going to have listeners on this podcast that he probably is going to put in similar seats as you one day. And I hope that this can help propel them to that and they can be great thought leaders. But how do you have humility during this time of like, man, I am, okay, my Instagram account's blowing up now. I'm getting a lot of requests. I'm doing a lot of different things. How do I stay grounded in humility right now as a leader? I think one, one thing that I think is, is, is God's kindness towards me is that the growth in my platform has been gradual and so ever since I've been a Christian, for the mo- most part, I've had some kind of platform. My first poem um, that went on YouTube and was kind of not viral, but got popularity came out when I was a believer at six months. And so I think because of that, I've always had to have some measure of it. And so it wasn't overnight. I have 200,000 plus followers or whatever. It's like, no, you started with 25 and that was significant. <laughs> you started with 100 yeah. and you had to wrestle through how to deal with it. And then you had 1200. It's like, Oh, how do I? And so I think that, I think that's one is that God has been um, kind to me in that way. I think another thing is, is having a really big view of God matters. It sincerely matters because when I see God as big, when I see him as Isaiah six and I see him um, in this room with this robe and I recognize that there are angels around him calling his name and not mine. It, 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 it kind of humbles me and it keeps me um, realizing that I legitimately am not him. I'm legitimately not as glorious as him and I'm legitimately needy of him. Like, I, what was me? Like, like, help me out, Father, because I know because I've seen you in the word, I've seen you in Christ Jesus, I've seen you in the people that I'm surrounded by that love you, I realize things in me that are not like you. And so I can't ever... Um, think that I am the one that needs to be presented in front of these people as the end all be all for their souls. Third, I think community. I'm, I, I have friendships where people just treat me normal, which mm. is a huge deal. Um, I have I have a church. Well, we're working through that because I go to a new church where it's weird for now. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm having to establish I am not all that you see on Instagram. I'm so much more than that, you know? And so I think, uh, having a, uh, having friendships where I can be myself, where I can be free, where I can be vulnerable, where I can share my, my feelings and my emotions and my frustrations even allows me to go back into these spaces where people might see me and call me by all three of my names and actually see it for what it is. Like, this is not life. This is not, this is a 10% of my life, you know? Um, so yeah, friendship, big God. What was the other one I said? <laughs> Community. I think it was a slow growth. Yeah, yeah, that just the providence of God. And so yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a dang, it's a dangerous place. But also, could I add this? I'm sorry. Absolutely. I recognize you have to be aware of your heart because I, I'll I'll use this example. I was at the Gospel Coalition in April. And 
Gospel Coalition. Have y'all been? I'm sure y'all have. Yeah, I was actually there uh, this past year as well. So it's a lot of people. It's a lot going on. And it's a lot of, hey, Jackie, love your work. Hey, Jackie, love that. Hey, Jackie, this. <laughs> and I went back to the hotel room and I told my husband, I was like, I think I'm becoming arrogant. And he's mm. like, what do you mean? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I feel this subtle shift happening in my heart where I think I'm really great. But <laughs> it was like, ooh, that's scary. And so I, I, I say that to say, I think praying that God would give you an awareness of yourself that you can easily confess sin in your heart before it actually becomes a part of who you are, if that makes any sense. And so I begged God, I said, God, you have to help me um, because I, I think I'm, I'm falling in love with my words mm-hmm. and I'm falling in love with people's perceptions of my words and uh, my communication gifts and my communication skills. And I know that all of this came from you, but I, I'm enjoying how people are responding to it. And so I need your help with that. And so I thank God in his goodness towards me um, and surrounding me with people that do that all the time was able to just show me a part of my heart before I just was like, ah, it's okay to be overconfident. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's okay. And that's what leads to some really, really hard falls. That's so. such that's such a tough tension of having, because I mean, <laughs> our flesh is like, yes, I love that I'm walking around and people know who I am. And that's a great thing because you are helping so many people in their walk with Christ, but it's such a tough tension to remind yourself exactly <laughs> as you're saying of, wait, this is all because of you. Like it's nothing yeah. of me. It's all yeah. of you. And just throughout yeah. this whole conversation, one thing I love about the way you talk about leadership is the words that you use, you serve others. And it's all about humility. And I think this is crucial for, for young leaders to remember that words really do matter. The way that you talk about serving others, it's not, they, they work for me, but it's, I get to serve them. And I think mm. you've, you have mm-hmm. a really good distinction in that. And I think that's very helpful for us to learn from. Well, the team that, the team that I serve with. There you go. <laughs> Words matter. We say, we say all the time, <laughs> don't believe the hype of yourself. You know, just mm. don't, don't mm-hmm. buy into that. And I listened to a podcast that Christine Kane was on a couple weeks ago and she's absolutely kills those podcasts. But she said, you know, she has like 760 something thousand followers on Instagram. And she was like, guys, Mm -hmm. there's 7 billion people in the world. Nobody (laughs) knows who I am. (laughs) Comparatively. Mm -hmm. Let's just, let's just face this in reality. Yeah. And change the perspective a little bit. I I have, I have a little bit of influence, but that's about all it is. A little (laughs) bit of influence. So I'm going to leverage it the best that I can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're leaving one day. So it's like, man, I don't want to be addicted to this uh, momentary praise as if there isn't a, a glory in heaven awaiting me where people will forget about me. So I need to I need to really care more about the glory that will be revealed in Christ Jesus because that's actually eternal. <laughs> like, and so I, I think eternity in heaven is a, mm. is a great perspective shifter. Um, cause there's a lot of saints that were doing a lot of work and we don't even know their name. Well, and I think we'll be the same. That's a great so. idea for a new book that you should write, Jackie. I look forward to, to reading that book. <laughs> already I'll, pre-ordered. I'll let you handle that. No, oh, no, <laughs> come on, please. Okay. Hey, last, uh, last big question. Then we'll transition to the quick hitters. Chandler will get us there. What is your advice? This is more of a custom one for you. What is your advice to other young women who have a desire to lead, but, aren't sure where to start and uh, could be organizational, but really probably church is, is a great way to start in ministry in general. 
Yeah, my advice would probably not be as good as Jen Wilkins would be. So <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I think hers would be excellent. Uh, I'll I'll just say what I I did or would do is one prayer, um, and and I think I, I say prayer because God is really smart, and so He He really um, I think giving Him our desires first and foremost. Um, it's just good. It's a good thing to do. And I think it's a, the, the trust is you don't pray and just sit, you pray and you work. And so I think one, I think some women, not all, but I think some women assume that they have to be uh, given again, a title or a position to begin to lead and function in the gifts that they, they have. And so I think, I think for me, it's really, it doesn't have to be that. And so what are your giftings? Are you gifted with hospitality and teaching? Okay. Start inviting people into your home and teaching them. Mm. Are you gifted with administration? Um, okay. Start asking the people around you that you see need help, asking them if, if they need help. Hey, I, I see that you're doing all of this and I kind of, I'm really good in Excel and <laughs> uh, pages on that. I could really help you and serve you in this way if you, if you need and at some point, like my assistant, for example, she has the gift of administration and now she's bringing women alongside her to train up that leadership mm-hmm. to train up to do the same thing for other people. And so identify your gifting and start looking for ways to be able to do it. You don't need permission to function in your gifting. You don't need permission to walk mm-hmm. in the ways that God has called you to walk in. There are people that God has given us influence with and there are contexts that we function in, whether it's our job or the gym that we work out in or our little homeschool co-op group, where we can begin to walk in these gifts with confidence as we submit that desire to God. So. That's so helpful. And it's being proactive in your leadership and not saying, woe is me. I haven't been given a title, but it's saying, hey, I have this gift. God has gifted it to me. I need to use it. So. That's, yeah, go for it. Yeah, Do that's it. such a great distinction. Yep. <laughs> well, now we'll get into the quick hitter questions. So these are short answers. So the first question is, what is your ideal daily routine? What time do you wake up, get into the office, all that good stuff? Ideal, meaning <laughs> it doesn't happen, <laughs> would be a 10 a.m. workout, 12, do something, uh, whether that's answer emails, work on the book, whatever, whatever. Um, one to three or four meet with people that I'm trying to connect with and be home by five. And after that, cook, save children, watch Netflix with my husband and go to sleep. What's your favorite Netflix show right now? Uh, I won't say that one. The other one will probably be <laughs> uh, the, the, the food one. Um, I can't think of the title right now. Oh, but it's um, a, it's a, a it's aesthetically beautiful. Is it Chef's Table? So, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's that, great. That by far is one of the best Netflix shows to me ever. And totally appropriate one to talk about on a podcast that a lot of people are going to listen to. Chef's sure. Table. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm a leader really and leader <laughs> <laughs> What is your favorite personality test? Uh, I guess Enneagram right now. That's the thing, right? Yeah. What's, what's your What's your type? Accurate. Type three, overachiever, um, obsessed with the, not obsessed, but cares about what people think about them. That type of stupidness. <laughs> well, I'm tired of so. making this joke to Chandler. I feel like I make it every time because most people answer the Enneagram, but he has yet to take the test. But we think, we think that he's a type three, but we are not sure. He needs to decide for himself. I, I need to take the test. I do. 
That's so good, well, man. If you're a workaholic and you, you you like succeeding at everything you do and you do the most, so then yeah. your I'm most likely a factory. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. I love how the Enneagram, so, it's always like yeah. the worst, not the worst qualities, but the qualities that you yeah. tend to like totally lean into way too much. So, But the great qualities, Chandler, this <laughs> podcast much. was your idea. And so hopefully this is going to be really, really good. So well, that's a good so. thing. See? Yeah. yeah. Well, the next three succeed. Yes. Yeah. The next question is, is what is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? This is going to sound uh, dumb, but honestly, iced coffee. Iced coffee. <laughs> like, yeah, it's something about, you know, how some people that might be prone to alcoholism. They just need a shot before they start their day. Like for me, it's like, man, like if I have some coffee, it just does something to my, not even my energy. So ca- caffeine doesn't make, it doesn't wake me up. It just mm-hmm. makes me feel better. It's kind of, it kind of comforts me in a, 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 a kind of weird way where when I go into a space where I know I have to be communicating and talking and processing through things with people and heavy, heavy topics most of the time, then that coffee just kind of, it does something for me. How many, how know. many cups a day? One, not oh, not too that's much. Good. That's it good. Because it makes my, it starts start, it starts to make my heart hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> just to, just enough to take the edge off. Yeah, you know? I, I start <laughs> getting jit, I start getting jittery. Yeah. I don't want to look like that. That's funny. What is your favorite app on your phone that you use currently? App. Um, besides my Delta app, because probably it's the most popular. I have an app called I think it's Travel App, and it 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 categorizes everything. So it categorizes my receipts, it categorizes my hotel rental and flight itineraries, it categorizes uh, any entertainment purchases that I've made. And so if I want to go to the movies, it's already put that movie receipt and that movie ticket in its own little container. And so it just, it makes me, order matters to me. And so it makes my life feel uh, like everything is in its own cabinet without me having to find and fish for it in a Google search. Expense reports are the death of me. So this sounds incredible. (laughs) My goodness. That's that's great. So yeah. Well, that's, that's super helpful to check out. What has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Hmm. Let me look at my books. I think the one that has been uh, the most informative, I wouldn't, because best to me often entails uh, creative writing. And a lot of, I've already kind of went on a rant about that on Twitter, how a lot of Christian writers in particular aren't good writers, but Mm. that's neither here nor there. Um, I think (laughs) it would probably be the coddling of the American mind. Um, that's been good for me to read and understand just a lot of the work that I've done in academia or in secular institutions, even becoming now Christian institutions, just having to work through how to communicate the gospel um, in a society that is increasingly anti anything that makes them uncomfortable. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? First time. First time. If you're look at, looking at a young uh, leader, you got one sentence to say. What do you say? Stay in submission to an older and wiser leader because that will help you to be a wise leader too. Mm. That goes back to the mentor. The, and accountability. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And emphasis on stay. 
<laughs> day yeah. insufficient. Mm. Um, so even as a pastor, having someone that is still above you that you can be accountable to, uh, I think that works wonders for leaders. Um, yeah. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and taking the time out of your day and sharing about your leadership journey and uh, pouring into some young leaders. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. You rock, Jackie. We'll see everybody later. See y'all.